0: Welcome to Pollen, where Associate Professor Ed Newbegin, along with a range of experts, help you understand what pollen actually is, what may be causing your symptoms, how best to manage your conditions, and the environmental factors that drive pollen levels and other airborne pollutants. So we've been learning the basics of pollen and grass pollen and how you count it. I guess the next step, and just as important, is being able to track it. Ed, you've been working on how people can track pollen for some time, but you haven't been doing it alone. Mm -hmm. You needed a second Ed. That's
1: right. Two Eds are better than one.
0: (laughs) And so we've got Ed Lampignani, Dr. Ed Lampignani, from the University of Melbourne, here to talk about what we've learned and how best to track pollen uh, in the Pollen app. Welcome, Ed. Tell us a little bit about what
2: you bring to the table. So I'm a plant scientist. I work at Melbourne University. And I originally started at Melbourne uh, doing some molecular work on pollen. And it's about that time uh, that I learnt about what Ed does and with his pollen counting. And I was very interested in, in that because I, I suffer from hay fever. And indeed, one, one day I came to work and, and I was suffering pretty bad. And I told Ed I, I felt terrible. And it was Who said, Well, I'm not surprised, Uh, it's a high pollen count day. And I thought to myself, How does this fella know that it's a high pollen count day? So uh, at at that time, I I didn't know about the pollen count. I don't think a lot of people around Melbourne knew about the pollen count that was happening. And part of the issue that was happening is that that information really wasn't going out to the public. In a previous life, I I did a little bit of computer work and I thought, What would be a really great way to get that out? And I I thought, Oh, we should definitely start a website. Um, But we should definitely get this out onto social media. And so we, we started a Twitter account. We put some posts out on Facebook. And and I think to our great surprise, the, the public was really, really interested in what we had to say and about the information that, that we were putting out there. So what Well, what did we do before the app,
0: I guess? What, mm. what did you do? How did we count pollen before the, so the track? So the pollen?
1: Pollen, the pollen counting has always been done the same. The way we used to get the information out was that we would send it to the newspapers and radio and TV. So they, it, they carried it out that way. And uh, they used to pay a subscription. So that was a subscription service and they would give us some money for it. And we used to use that money to support the count, so the act, our activities. Um, and that was going along fine, but uh, the print media, the traditional media, started to really struggle with this model of doing things as the internet took over and... By about 2008, they were no longer willing to pay for this as a service any longer. They were no longer willing to give this information, uh, to give us money for this information. So we decided it's still useful information, but we'd provide it free of charge to whoever wanted it. So we were just distributing information, but it was through the, the weather page of the the age. Uh, so it appear there, it'd appear on a couple of different radio stations, and and newspapers and so on, but we were getting no money for it and it was, you know, done as important information for people. So that's where they could get it from, but it wasn't the best way of getting information out because you needed to know that that was where you went to get it. Then Ed came along and he said, oh, you should put this out on Twitter. And I said, what's Twitter? And uh, then he, then that was a, rapid rise in my education in social media, social media. <laughs> uh, started at that point and And uh, that's really come to be a very important part of what we do is managing our uh, dissemination of information and getting the communication right.
0: Yeah, well, I guess uh, having it on an app, it's so accessible to everyone, which is pretty important. Mm-hmm. How does it help your everyday person? Why is it so useful?
2: I think it's a really easy way to find out what we're forecasting. Uh, And unlike before when it was in traditional media, we can supply a lot more information. So we can supply information about what the forecast is over the next seven days. We can give them information about regional areas. We can also allow users to find out how other users are feeling as well. So they can compare how how their symptoms are compared to the general public as well.
1: And they can keep a track of their scores. So if they're having a a run a bad days they can keep a track of that symptom scores on those days and they can share that with their doctors and they can just look to see if their symptoms track the grass pollen count if it's not tracking the grass pollen count, maybe they're not allergic to grass pollen and there's something else which is triggering their allergies because really what we, we call ourselves the Melbourne pollen count, but really we're the Melbourne grass pollen count. That's our main focus. Well,
0: it's we're, the most, it's, it's the one that affects the most people. That's anyway, right?
1: the one that affects the most people, so it's a reasonable thing to do. Going forward, what we'd like to know is, you know, what, else is, what other pollen types are affecting people so we know that... We've probably with grass pollen, we're capturing 70 or 80% of the stuff which is affecting people. But what's in the remaining 20 to 30%? What are, the, what are the big ones? What's the next big one we should be counting? So that's where things like the app are really useful because we're starting to get information back from the public about what's affecting them on a daily basis. And, and also, not just during that October to December period. So what other things are affecting people outside of that season? So And that helps us to help people. So if, if we can start to figure out, well, this particular pollen type is really uh, strongly correlated with people's symptom scores at this time of year, then that's the thing we ought to be uh, monitoring. And that's the, th- uh, that's the sort of thing we ought to also be forecasting about. Pollen counting is a... An interesting activity for those who do it, but uh, really people are more interested in the forecast because that tells them what they've got to do tomorrow and the day after, rather than a backward look over their shoulder to what happened yesterday.
0: Well, if we're coming into a, a pollen season, can someone who has tracked their allergies and their reactions look at it the following year? Mm. To get an understanding of, oh, I kind of had a really bad week that week. Mm-hmm. Would that data be effective there or does it change too much?
1: I think if you understand your own allergies and can say, these are the sort of things which cause my allergies, this is a type of time of year when I'm most affected, then you can plan for the next season. So when you know that you've got a grass pollen allergy and you know that the grass pollen season is going to start and it's a very regular and predictable thing in Melbourne. the grass pollen season starts at a particular time of year, you can start to prepare for it and you can uh, discuss it with your doctor, your health professional. How am I going to prepare for next year's grass pollen season? What sorts of things should I do? When should I start doing them? And then by the time the grass pollen season hits, you'll be better prepared to take control over it and make sure it's not going to affect your quality of life during that period. So we're talking about adults a lot of the time here and the important thing that is a lot of parents have got kids who have got allergies as well and they're using the pollen app to manage the hay fever and asthma of their children and that's an important area so they're looking at that and saying do I need to dose my kid up with antihistamines make sure they've got their uh, preventer medications or, or ventolin uh, for their asthma on this day because the forecast is for a bad grass pollen day. So it's also being used in that way, not only for your own personal med- uh, medication, management of medication, but also for looking at the medication of those that you care for.
0: So you spoke about sharing your survey scores on the app with other other users. Are you trying to build a community? Do you think it's important that we build a
2: community around that,
0: around people who suffer?
2: I think symptom or survey scores uh, are, are really important tool for us. It helps us understand that what we're counting is is really worth counting. So we can see already really strong correlations between the way people feel in the community and our grass pollen counts. But I think as, as Ed alluded to earlier, there, there's other things in the air as well. And that's the way we can tell. So some days we may have a low grass pollen count, but people are telling us that they're feeling really ordinary. Uh, and what we can do is we can have a look and see what else is in the air that might be affecting people. And if we don't have survey scores, and we need quite a lot of them to be able to sort of get the geographic distribution of, of how people feel across Melbourne, because Melbourne's quite big, we really can't understand um, exactly what it is that people are being affected by.
0: You moving to this sort of technology is pretty good. What have you? What do you think you've learnt since moving towards
1: an app? Oh, we get a much, we get a lot from it. So we get a lot of uh, obviously information. Data that we can understand people's symptoms better, but we understand our community better the the sort of things which bother them, the sort of things that they would like us to do more of, and the things which really annoy them as well. So, one thing about social media is that it's a space where people uh, don't feel inhibited about telling you stuff. Mm. Face to face, you'd probably be a bit more cautious about the things you say, but on social media, people really let fly and they're very generous in their praise when. That's warranted, but they can also be quite fulsome when when things are happening that they don't like happening. So we understand, well, we listen to our audience very closely and we try and understand what they're interested in and the sort of things which they want us to do more of and the sort of things that they want us to do less of as well. So it's a service that we're trying to provide, but it's also hopefully a way in which they can better manage their healthcare problems and we think that the app, the forecasts and counts are a way in which they can do that.
2: We're not a commercial service, Uh, we are researchers and so we're new to apps as well so we're we're really learning what we're doing along the way and so we really value that feedback because it it helps us learn and make changes to the app Mm. so that it helps people.
0: Where do you think the advancements in pollen tracking
1: are going to take us? What do you think is the future of this? Obviously, I talked about the very antiquated way in which we're doing pollen monitoring at at the moment. So it's a a labour-intensive activity. So currently sitting in eight sites across Victoria, there are eight people get up in the morning and they go and they pull a glass microscope slide out of a machine and replace it with another one and then they go off and count that microscope slide for how much pollen is there, that's going to limit the density of the network of pollen monitoring sites we can establish because it's just a number of people and the time it takes to do it and those people need to be paid to do their work and they need to be trained how to do the work and we need to make sure all of those sites are doing it on a consistent and even basis. So we are limited by obviously money but also the capacity we have to maintain a network of that type across Victoria. Where we're going in the future is obviously towards automation. Automation is going to allow us to do these things uh, hopefully cheaper, uh, obviously cheaper, but also at greater density so we can have more sites. So instead of just being one or two sites uh, in Melbourne, there might be 10. And we can get finer... uh, density of information we can see. uh, It's not just what one site is telling us, but there are three, four sites in that area which are giving us consistent information. We'd also, pollen canning at the moment is, as I explained earlier, it's a 24-hour average. So we get just this one number, which covers a day. And as we know, that during that time, it might have been higher at some times, lower at others, it changes across the course of the day, but we've just got that one number. So we would like to see more information about what's happening to the pollen over the day. Is it going up at this time of day, going down at that time of day? Those are the sort of things we can uh, use to build better models, which are going to be predicting not just the average concentration for a day, but hour by hour changes in pollen levels. So that's going to depend upon automation. And there are a number of machines which are out there in the market at the moment. Some of them are very expensive, but none of them are really tested to know whether they work sufficiently well that they're worth investing in. It's going to take an investment of money and people and the whole infrastructure behind it to allow that to work. It's not just a question of buying the machine and it somewhere. You've got to have a whole infrastructure which is going to enable that machine to work and work properly and then get the information out. So we need to assess whether those, which of those machines are going to be able to deliver that mm-hmm. uh, at scale in Victoria and other places in Australia. That's where we're heading towards and we're trialling such a machine at the moment and we'll see how that goes.
0: Mm. So essentially, ideally, you'd want to be able to just measure it in real time, have someone yeah, absolutely. feeling a little bit average, check their yeah. the phone and yeah, yeah. understand why.
1: Yeah, um, and we'd like to be able to forecast uh, at an hourly, two-hourly, three-hourly basis, mm-hmm. much like you know forecasting when rain is going to happen. Say, so, oh, there's going to be higher levels of grass pollen in four hours' time. So instead of wiping out a whole day, saying it's going to be bad grass pollen for that, 24-hour period, it's bad grass pollen in the afternoon, but you do whatever you like in the morning. So you can use that information to moderate your behavior, do the behavioral things uh, appropriate, but you don't maybe not need to do it for the entire day. You can do it for part of the day, but that's where we're heading towards. Uh, that's the the bright future. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite there yet, but uh, that's something we're working towards.
0: It sounds incredibly exciting, yeah. especially for people who are quite heavy sufferers of Allergic reactions yeah, to yeah,
1: pollen. Yeah. No, So it'll be hugely, uh, hugely important, I think, um, for Victorians to have that sort of information, especially with thunderstorm asthma being uh, such a hot topic in Victoria.
2: So, how do these counters work? So, the way a lot of these machines work uh, is they take images of the pollen and try to match up the shape, general shape of that image to a reference uh, pollen grain. Uh, what would be really nice to be able to do in the future is, is try and engage some of the people that are using the app, some of the people that are interested in, in what we do and, and get them to help us. What, we, what a computer really needs to be able to understand that this is a grass pollen grain and not a pine pollen grain is they need a lot of uh, input from a human to train it. And so if we can start including citizen science, more citizen science in our things, just like users contribute to our survey. They can also help us count the actual physical grains that are on these slides. So it'd be lovely to start including those sorts of things in the app in the future. So should users
0: suffering allergies from
2: grass pollen be using the
0: app, or is there a website that they can go to mm. to help?
1: Yeah. So you can certainly look at the website, which is melbournepollen.com.au, and you can get the information the app has additional features so we've talked about the symptom survey score that it contains and it's got a that record uh, of your symptom survey scores. So that's useful information for you and also something you could share with your uh, healthcare professional. Uh, but it also has notifications. So if there's going to be a high forecast of grass pollen for the day uh, across Victoria, you can get those notifications through the Melbourne Pollen app. There's also thunderstorm asthma, which is a big deal in Victoria. Uh, and the Department of Health and Human Services produces a thunderstorm asthma forecast. uh, And those are also released through the Melbourne Pollen app. And you can see those, you can get notifications about thunderstorm asthma in your area. And we also do blog posts. So uh, every couple of weeks, we'll put up a story about what's in the air or some piece of interesting news. And people can get notifications when the website has been updated and they can go and Read the latest story or see our little movie, or indeed they'll find out about these podcasts when they come out uh, through notifications on the Melbourne Pollen app.
0: So, what about someone who's traveling interstate? Do they take the uh, Melbourne Pollen app with them, or is there something else that they have to download to get?
2: Yeah, so we have an app for pretty much uh, every state on the, the east border of Australia. So we have apps for Brisbane, Sydney and Canberra. There's also another group that uh, some collaborators which run a service in Tasmania as well. Uh, so each city has uh, its own app and it's got custom information for that particular city because... When pollen occurs during the season um, can be a little bit different. So as you go further north, the pollen season tends to be a little bit later. So they actually don't start counting until about November uh, and go through until the, the new year. So we need to tailor the information for each city. If you want
0: to find out more information, visit melbournepollen.com.au. There you'll find more resources to help you stay on top of your allergies. And don't forget, if you haven't already, download the Melbourne Pollen app. You can find the nearest pollen site, track everything, create a profile, and really help build preventative measures for allergic reactions to grass pollen. Pollen was presented and produced by me, Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And the executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Special thanks to Associate Professor Ed Newbegin and the team at Melbourne Pollen Counting. Listener.